Jax. Thanks for joining me here on Here for the Booze. I'm your host, Jax, and tonight we're going to be talking about a specific subgenre of horror, which is giallo. The movies we will discuss are an introduction to a specific director, Dario Argento, and it includes talking about Deep Red, Tenebrae, and Phenomena. Mm, Phenomena may not be giallo, but I watched this and also decided to include it since Dario Argento directed it. Oh, and Donald Pleasance is in it, so it counts as horror. (laughs) All right, and he's in like a really super young Jennifer Connelly, so it's a really good movie if you've never seen it. I had actually never heard of it until I wanted to discuss giallo, so I stumbled upon this great movie too so we're going to talk about that as well so the beer i'm drinking tonight is hold on i put it back on my koozie like an idiot exhibit a is just a kitten it's their i think it's like their lighter version of the cat's meow which is one of my favorite you know beers that they make and they're one of my favorite local breweries so we're uh, i actually haven't tried this yet and my husband picked it up at the liquor store up the street and it's funny just because I was having a conversation about cats earlier. So let's get a uh, let's get down into these movies and this beer. Holy little foam, little foam. It's okay. Giallo, which if I I'm probably gonna pronounce it like fifty different ways because I just discovered how to really pronounce it. So sorry. It's the actually the Italian word for meaning yellow, but in Italy it's reference to the specific mystery style thriller novels that were on paperback and they're like detective novels but they always had this yellow cover to them so everybody like recognized them and they were published by Mondadori and they started in 1929 but they were definitely more famous in like the 50s and 60s and things like that I would classify these movies as slashers however It's how the movie is played out that makes them stand out from, you know, like Freddy and Jason and things like that. These films add elements of horror, madness, eroticism, and turning them into psychological thrillers rather than straightforward like crime stories that you just kind of follow all the way through. These movies follow like whodunit movies, you know, looking into clues. The police are kind of involved, but they're not the ones necessarily solving it. These are, you know, also classified as black glove mysteries, you know, killing innocent women, sexually charged kill scenes, loud music. In the 60s, when these movies, you know, started making waves, horror was emerging into something more violent due to sociopolitical movements during that time. Teens were becoming more vocal, the Korean War, and then once we get into the 70s is when there's more violence shown in movies, and that's probably a direct reference to or reflection excuse me to the serial killers that were coming out and emerging at that point because there was a lot of that was a weird time for America I feel like the 70s was a weird time but we're not even gonna get into that right now (laughs) you know these movies had or have bright colors vivid shots up close of the victim's face and like just really different you know yeah we see that now in movies of close-ups and things like that but back then that's not that's not what movies were like you know watching horror quote-unquote you know black and white or the early 50s and 60s was nothing like these movies so these definitely stood out 
absolutely compared to everything else. There was also like super close ups of the weapons that were used, which wasn't really, you know, there'd be close ups, but not not with the weapon acting in violence. You know what I'm saying? This is like this is these movies. I mean, movies aren't necessarily made like this anymore unless it's Saw or anything like that. I will say that the blood in these movies is extremely fake, thick and bright, but it works since the scenery also is so colorful. So it's not that deep red that we always see now. It's a brighter paint red, as I like to call it, like a matte red, if you will. You know, since this is, like I was saying, they're like bright colors and things like that. I, I'm not talking like there's obnoxious decor that's around, but it is the 60s and 70s. And that is how people styled their homes. So right now it looks a little more artistic, if you will, because we don't you know, decorate anything. Well, some of that modern-ish stuff is coming back, but especially the wallpaper things, you know, but these, it's still really pretty and everything is very vivid. The other things that set these movies apart for what they are include awful dubbing. And I really thought it was me just being too drunk and watching the movie and just like not paying attention and being like, oh my God, like it's just not matching up, you know? Like I said, the black leather gloves, robes, knives and the point of view of the killer that was kind of like a big standout element of these movies just to name a few things that's obviously not everything but I thought you know if you didn't really know if you didn't really understand what I was going to be talking about tonight you know what I mean I thought you know I might as well give you a little little history but the first movie we're going to talk about is actually one of the later giallo movies that Dario Argento wrote and directed and if Giallo was a mountain, Tenebrae would be at the top. It was made in 1982, so this is, like I said, a little bit later in the movement. But it's also because this movie is at the top of the mountain because it packs a massive, massive punch. I definitely watching this one, I was like, whoa. It was, it was, this one was, I was very, very surprised at how good it was. I wasn't sure how any of these were really going to play out. You know what I mean? But, you know, the dubbing on this was brutal, but you kind of get used to it. I mean, he's an Italian. Dario Argento is an Italian filmmaker. So a lot of these movies are dubbed over or just like the, I don't know what it is, but whatever they use is definitely different. They sound different. It's weird. I don't know. I can't describe it. But I will say it's definitely a typical 70s, 60s movie. Even though this is 82, it's still pretty bright. The movie starts out with this novelist, Peter Neal, on a book tour for his newest creation, Tenebrae. John Saxon is in this, and he plays Peter Neal's publicist, and they quickly find out in this area that they're in, I think they're in Rome, that there's been a murder. And, you know, you actually see this woman get murdered, and she's, like, slashed brutally, and she's, like, wearing white. There's, like, blood. It's it's not gory. It's just bloody. But like I said, it's that matte blood that's that's very bright. So it's not too real, if you will. You know what I mean? But also, while she's after she's been murdered, the pages of the novel Tenebrae are shoved into her mouth as like some kind of, I don't know, calling or who knows. The police, you know, go to this, go to Peter Neal and ask for any insight he has as to what kind of crazed fan could possibly do this because that was their first suspicion. And this is where, like, the movie totally confused me because these movies, like I said, they kind of just, like, slowly give you pieces and they don't necessarily explain 
why they're showing you what they're showing you. So you start seeing these flashbacks of a young woman being stalked and maybe like sexually harassed. And then you see like people being killed and a lot of blood. And there's just like lots of little pieces that you're not sure why you're seeing it and whose memory this is. Because this movie kind of shows you different people's points of views and actions and things like that. So it's hard to know. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know who's who's seeing this. You know, and why are we seeing it? Is it linked to the girl that was just murdered? But who is she? Who's this other one? Was Neil complicit in this? The murders? Like, what's going on? There's just so many questions. You really don't know in the beginning, like, why you see some things. And so I will say... You know, don't be surprised if if you get confused with some of these movies, because I definitely, definitely did. There's a lot of misdirection in this story, along with the fact that, like I was saying, we're only given little pieces of this master puzzle until it's finally all nicely tied up in a bow. And we may not like the answers that we get, but the questions that we have get answered. So it may just be like a simple answer as to why we saw something weird or whatever, but You know, I feel like, you know, I'm not going to give away, I will say, I will not give away the ending of this because I feel that if I do, you know, it also gives away the whole point of these movies. These movies have these crazy twists at the end that you're not, like I was saying, you know, you're not sure what's going on, but then all of a sudden everything just kind of comes together and it's definitely not the way that you expected. So if you're interested in watching that movie, go check that out on Shudder. Like I've, like I've said literally every, every time, if you don't have it yet, go get it because like all, most of the movies that I watch are from there. They have a really great curated list and they have specific, you know, they have some really great content on there and they just, they display it really nicely. So if you really just want the horror, Shudder is a good idea, but AMC plus is also a way to get Shudder's content. Anyway, moving on to the next Giallo. Deep Red was one of his, I feel like this is like one of his first or definitely earlier giallos. And this is before he made Suspiria. And Goblin also scored this movie. So it's got a killer soundtrack. It's another poorly dubbed 70s movie. I will say that this movie was more confusing than Tenebrae. I will say that. But like I said, you do get the answers. So it's only confusing But it's what you're watching isn't frustrating. You're just a little confused why you're seeing some things. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to, you know, go into little details of this movie either or anything that lays out the plot completely. But, you know, you see visions of Christmas and a bloody knife on the floor and child's feet in the beginning. And you're like, like I said, questions. Who's this child, a girl or a boy? Who was murdered? Like, who is this? Whose memory is this? Like, why are we seeing this? It's just, it's another one. But like in all these movies, I forgot to even mention in Tenebrae, it's it's somebody with, you know, black gloves and a knife and things like that. Like, that's definitely a theme throughout all of these movies. So as you're seeing people being killed, they have the black gloves and the, the coat and the, the hat and all that kind of stuff. And it's their collars popped up and all that kind of thing. So you really can't see who it is. So after you see this memory, you're then taken into a conference of some sort that a psychic is speaking at. And she's talking with everybody and she's describing how she can read people's minds. And all of a sudden, she's quickly overcome with emotion and, and vivid thoughts start coming to her. And she's like starting to kind of freak out. 
And then she starts mumbling something about a nursery rhyme, a house, a hidden body, while envisioning a knife plunging, plunging into her torso. So she's freaking out. And I can't imagine, like, all of a sudden it just, like, coming over you like a memory wave. That's probably the only way I could describe how that must feel. When, like, you just, like, remember something. Like, something triggers your memory and you just think of it. And you kind of just go to a place like, oh, wow. But I, I can't imagine, like, it being somebody harming you. And that's what you're seeing. Like, that's that's crazy. You know, the camera angles in this one specifically, you know, show you how everything is happening. And how bright. And it's crazy. And she can even, like, feel the killer in the room. And it's like this beautiful red, what is it? It's a beautiful red, you know, like music hall type of gorgeous theater. You know, it's beautiful. And you see elements of how the killer thinks in these images of these drawings that you also get to see and these dolls and someone puts mascara on their eyes. Like, I'm serious. This movie was so confusing. (laughs) It was so confusing. I can't even describe it to you. And I feel so bad because it's it's good. I will say, like, it's definitely a good movie. It's one you need to pay attention. And I kind of wasn't too much. So me describing it is, like, awful. But it was, it's worth me watching again, unfortunately. And I didn't have time because I really wanted to get you guys some content out again. Because I'm kind of falling behind a little bit on my schedule. But the psychic ends up getting murdered, like she kind of envisioned. And then this man sees her get murdered And he's, like, having a conversation, like, on the street with his, like, guy friend. And it's so weird because there's, like, nobody else on the street but the two of them. It doesn't really seem like it's that late. And they just happen to stumble upon it. And he lives, like, right above her, I think, or below her. Oh, my gosh. He, like, sees Helga's face, the psychic, plunge through the window in the glass, like, through her neck. I mean, like, there's definitely, like, parts of this movie that tie into what I'm going to explain in phenomena. I just like had to think, yeah, I'm going to talk about it in phenomena with the glass. You know, like I said, there's like a lullaby playing and there's like these naked, like dismembered dolls hanging from the ceiling. And you you just keep seeing these little clues and you follow, you know, everybody around while they're trying to figure out like who would have wanted to murder the psychic and why was she seeing these thoughts so vividly? That's the other thing was like, why were they so well, so violent, I guess, not vivid, more violent. And then this movie specifically, there was a lot of misdirection. That was another really confusing thing because you kind of think it's going to be this person. And this is the other reason why I don't really want to get into specific details of the movie because I think it's worth watching and I don't want to give away the mystery, you know? So there's just mild spoilers in this. But, you know, you get to you get to see like, oh, it's this person. And then you're like, oh no, it's really not because why would it be? And then you realize like they were somewhere else when something happened. So, you know, Argento wants you to collect all these little pieces like in a video game when you go through levels and things like that. And then, you know, you, he wants you to see how Marcus, this man who's trying to figure out who the hell killed this woman who lives above him, how his view of reality changes as he discovers more clues And then you wait to see how it comes together. Because like I said, he, it affects him. That's all I'm going to say. It affects his life. Let's just put it that way. So it's, it's interesting how this story really plays on mystery. These movies definitely play on that factor. So they're worth 
watching, even though like some of the death scenes are a little not ridiculous, but they're a little over the top. And even for me, like, I think it's more of not the gore, but it's the expressions that the women are making or the men and how violent it really is. And like I said, it's not gory. It's just aggressive. So it's and it's a it's a factor in movies I don't think that we see too often because we don't see that aggression. Whereas like these ones, I I don't know, maybe it's just me, but maybe I'm just weak. <laughs> but the last one we're going to talk about is Phenomena, which was in 1985. And like I said, this one is not really a giallo, but it's still by Dario Argento. It's great. You know, and I also included it because the dubbing was so awful at times. And it made me feel like I was really drunk and time was moving slow again. So, you know, but Jennifer Connelly's in this and she plays a girl who sleepwalks at a Swiss boarding school. And it's soon discovered that she has a love for bugs and insects, but also the ability to communicate and conjure them. She plays a strong lead where she befriends a local scientist who is paraplegic. Dr. Loomis, anyone? Donald Pleasance is in it, so it's great. He's great in this. Um, But she's bullied by other girls because her father is famous and these girls are jealous. And yeah, maybe she is a little off, but, you know, don't be mean. (laughs) I don't know why. It's so funny, like, to see how, like, blatantly mean some of these girls are to each other in these movies. And it's almost, like, fake. But at the same time, it's still kind of, like... Like, why are they being mean? You know what I mean? But anyway, um, he's a local scientist. He's actually a forensic entomologist. And he's trying to bring down a local killer who's killing girls at the school. He convinces her to show him her abilities and he uses her as a detective sidekick. So the opening scene of this movie, and I didn't explain this in the beginning of this, but the opening scene of this is brutal. Because I remember watching this being like, whoa. You know, someone is killed um, by being impaled by glass after being thrown through it. It's like some it's like a tourist and she like misses the bus and it's just she gets lost and she like gets like finds her way into this home. And anyway, she's like brutally killed. And this girl is actually Dario Argento's daughter. And even more interesting was that he was going through a divorce with his first wife at the time who was a glassmaker, symbolism, anyone, but she was also an actor in this movie, and she plays Frau Bruckner of the school that Jennifer Connelly is at. Her wicked laugh by the pool is now a little more unsettling. <laughs> um, she's a great actress, but she's, like, in all... Daria Nicolodi, probably pronouncing her last name really wrong, but, yeah, she's in, like, all of his movies, and she... They were going through, like I said, a horrible divorce. So I have no idea if, like, that was his intention was to have that, like, crazy scene. in the. I don't know. That was just, I mean, it was, you know, you don't really see too much, but it's still, like, a very, like, whoa, it's just aggressive. You know what I mean? I can't even imagine, like, getting a divorce and having to work with someone that closely. But that's what was going on in this movie, you know, and she did a really good job and you know, the movie got done. So (laughs) the soundtrack is incredible on this. Sometimes I felt it was a little off, but it wasn't bad music. (laughs) It just, you know, I guess I was a little surprised to hear Iron Maiden and Motorhead in a horror movie, especially, like I said, at certain scenes, you're like, oh, that's where they're going to play this song. All right. Okay. So, I mean, like you just kind of like went with it, but it was still cool. 
And it was psyched to see Goblin return to this also. Most notably, you know, like I said, Suspiria was when Goblin did their one of their most famous soundtracks for him. But this was really good, too. Another common twist among Argento is that it's a woman killer, which at the time was unheard of. So I am going to spoil Phenomena for all of you. <laughs> but I'm not going to... I didn't spoil the other two because they were like a, a really good mystery. But this one, I think... Yeah, I'm going to spoil it. Sorry. <laughs> but Frau Buck... Bra- the Frau had a child out of sexual assault and the boy was deformed and deaf and oof, they made him look awful. So there's like a lot of unsettling images in this movie that they show, especially if you don't like bugs. Like she keeps like a literal Deadpool of her victims and there's there's like a swarm of bugs that like devour her son. Like, oh, my God, it's like it's it's a it's a movie to watch. Like, let me tell you, it's a movie to watch. And I guess, you know, there's a monkey in this that's like, you know, who's mostly with Pleasance throughout the film. I guess the monkey at some point bit Jennifer's fingertip off and they were able to reattach it, but they had to like rush her to the hospital and stuff. And after that, the monkey did not like her and tried to attack her again. (laughs) Like how awful, like what? I can't even imagine, you know, why even have the monkey? Like just have it be like, no, like clearly this isn't working. You know what I mean? Like the monkey should probably just go back to just eating bananas and hanging out in the jungle, you know, like what the hell? I don't know. But, you know, what we see in the movie isn't any bad interactions. And after hearing this, it makes me sad, you know, more for the monkey. But still that Jennifer could have also have been a little, you know, even more seriously injured. So, yeah, this movie, I I spoiled who the killer is, but I didn't tell you how it got there or how Jennifer Connelly kind of like navigates through trying to just like be her own person. So she's, you know, it's a nice, strong, you know, young woman lead in this, I will say. This was a really cool movie because it it had her, you know, conjuring bugs. And that's not a theme that you see with women at all. But I thought I just thought that was a really cool element of the movie and definitely unique. And this was this was definitely a really a really fun movie to watch. It's also available on Shutter, So come on, <laughs> get to it and get it. Giallo is for horror lovers who love a good mystery with a twist. You can also find elements of these movies throughout horror. Lots of directors and writers take inspiration from others, and Giallo brought so much more into the horror genre. Would the Saw franchise have been made without it? Do you think movies would have gotten to the violence or sexual in nature kill scenes? I don't know, but I don't think we would be where we are today without it. I think that it's important to introduce different elements, no matter what people say, because you never know... You know, movies that people don't like in the beginning often gain followers later because people miss the point sometimes. And that happens with a lot of art and film is art. So I feel like, you know, it's very easy to dismiss some of these horror movies because they're a little more violent or, you know, not people's style. But I think that this genre kind of opens another door so that if you like a good mystery you can definitely check out some of these and they're all on shutter like i said so definitely you can stream those but that's gonna wrap up this segment of giallo i hope you will go check out these movies if you can thank you so much for joining me and sticking around sorry if this one was a little more scattered than most i just i didn't want to give away the mystery and i didn't know how to explain 
it without, you know, telling you the whole movie and ruining it. So I'm trying to not spoil movies that I think people should really go watch, especially older movies. Um, but the newer ones, obviously, I'm going to spoil because probably most people have seen them by now. And I appreciate each listener so much for sticking around and checking out my episodes and spreading the word and everything. You know, I also joined this great group of fellow horror podcasters and we have this group chat going on and we talk about what we're all doing and how some of us have been in the game a lot longer. Some of us have some really great content and lineups of people that they're going to interview, like famous people who've been involved in the movies or actors. It's it's really cool. So I'm going to shout every one of them out. So get ready, guys. It's going to be long. <laughs> All right. So the first one is a podcast on Elm Street, Alone in the Dark podcast, Action Movie Book Club, Because You Were Home, The Horror Files, Direct to VHS podcast, First Class Horror, From the Mouths of Madness, Horror Dads, I Hope You Suffer podcast, Miserable Crip podcast, Night of the Horrorphile, Plastic Fangs podcast, PVD Horror, Slash You podcast, Spilling Guts, We Love Horror podcast, Wednesday Wine and Horror, and You Slay Me podcast. Oh, man. Great group of people. You know, we're all from, you know, different parts of the world. And it's it's amazing that this all came together by the wonderful Aaron from First Class Horror. So, Please go check out all of my new friends. Please go check out their podcast. Go subscribe to them. We all have some different awesome content, so no worries. Go go check out all of them. You know, hopefully I'll be able to collaborate with some of these people for some different content for you guys and some different ideas, you know, because we're about to wrap up season one, so I have some time to throw in something fun, but we'll see. We'll see how busy everybody is because, you know, I don't know if you're sick of my voice yet or if you want to hear some new things because since I am solo you kind of just you know hear me rattle off but if you'd like to hear me rattle off with someone else you know that's that's kind of what I'm hoping for either later in this season or next season but tonight I am going to leave you with this quote from Dario Argento himself films are dreams Many, many critics say to me that my films are not good because they are too unbelievable, but this is my style. I tell stories like they are dreams. This is my imagination. For me, it would be impossible to do a film that is so precise that resembles real life. Good night, kids.